This is the Christian Life Coach Collective, and I'm your host, Laura Malone. We're talking all things coaching, concepts, tips, tools, self-coaching, mindset, faith foundations, and definitely entrepreneurship because I want to support your calling as a coach and help you build a thriving online business with God as your CEO. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. Man, it has been so hot here. I don't know what it's like for you. But finally, a storm came through and brought the temperature down 25 degrees, and it was only about 75 today. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So we needed a little bit of a reprieve. And now that we have that, we're halfway, you know, kind of into the summer, almost midway into July. So, I mean... It's been a crazy past two months with graduations and birthdays and Mother's Day, Father's Day, all of the things, the 4th of July, and we've had a lot of people in town, visitors, it's been really fun, but also very, very busy, and my husband left town this morning, I am officially in a quiet space, <laughs> I have a lot of work to do, but I have a little bit more brain capacity to focus on what's in front of me, and I realized like I've just felt very tired and I remembered one day my daughter and I, it was her 16th birthday and we went with some friends to Manhattan. We went and saw a Broadway show and I took her to Broadway show for her 16th birthday because she just loves musicals and I thought, well, let's go see family and let's go do something really fun and we went and walked through the Chelsea market and just the Chelsea area is very uh, creative and fun, um, inspiring. There was a street vendor that had art and one of them said, it, it said, learn how to rest instead of quit. And there was a picture of like, I don't know, something like a, it was a drawing of like a girl holding a balloon, uh, maybe taking a nap. I don't know. <laughs> and I it's just always stuck with me. So in this season where I feel a little bit wrung out, not by anyone or anything in particular, but just so much going, 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 and a lot of work, a lot of brain power required from me in this season, on top of, you know, everything my family needs and transition in certain areas. um, And then just wanting to actually enjoy my summer things have been really, really busy. And I think in other seasons, I might have thought I would like to give up a little bit. (laughs) I would like to quit. (laughs) And maybe I can just check out, I don't know, probably have other ways of coping with a season like this in the past. But right now, I, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me and I also see that other people like, well, other people around me, friends, family, and clients, and, um, you know, part of my, the ministry family that we have in our nonprofit, I know that people are tired and we've all been running this race for a long time, whatever it is in front of us. And it gets kind of exhausting and we get a little dehydrated, you know? And I think being a heavy drinker in the spirit, you know, I've seen people who have shirts that say heavy drinker 
<laughs> while we're at like a church conference or something. <laughs> I love it. They're like drinking in the spirit. They're just, okay. You know, I just want to like open my arms, open my mouth wide and let the Lord fill it kind of thing. Like whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit. And I get dehydrated when I don't spend enough time seeking the Lord, resting in his presence, soaking in worship times, marinating on what he's doing and saying and getting my eyes off of me, getting my eyes off my problems, getting my eyes off the crisis, the urgent needs, all the other voices, and actually getting my eyes back onto God and his rest and what he's promised, what he's done and what he's doing, you know? So I want to say to you, I hear you and I see you and I know that you might want to quit and I know it would be easy to give up. It would be easy to like cave in and give in to um, unhealthy coping strategies. (laughs) I get it. It just feels really hard and you might feel like you're unable to see the forest because of the trees because those trees feel like they're alive and they're screaming and their branches reach down and trap you and trip you and tangle you up, right? <laughs> well, I want to help you see a new way and I want to help give you some hope because you're not alone in this and you're not at your end. You're not done and God's not done. This process is hard for all of us because life is hard and work is hard. Fun is hard. Family's hard. It's the stuff that your peoplehood is made out of, you know? Like the hard and the good, the great and the terrible. Hard hard can be good in the same way like beauty is in the eye of the holder. Good is in the eye of the beholder as well, right? So first, I want to start out by telling you about a dream I had. I've probably shared this in other episodes, but in this dream, I was at a women's conference in a hotel, which is actually, I'm just now getting this. I'm going to a women's conference called She Speaks this weekend. So that's kind of funny, but it's being held in a church. It used to be held in a, like at an embassy suites when I've gone to it in the past. So it's kind of funny. All right. Anyway, I didn't realize that until I'm just saying it right now, (laughs) but I was at a women's conference and I was sitting with a group of women and I started telling them there's this equation that they need to know. I told them that the equation was the knowledge of God's desire to meet your needs, plus having your own expectancy equals resolve of any situation. And I began to tell everybody I met in the hotel about this equation, right? I told all the businessmen I ran into the, in the elevator. I told all the clerks at the desk. I Everybody that I came across, I told them. And actually nobody looked at me weird or questioned me when I talked about God. I'm in the elevator. I'm supposed to get off the ninth floor, but I end up on the 28th floor towards the top where like the executives and leadership like worked up there. And I ended up there because I had shared in the elevator what I believed. And instead of getting off the ninth floor where I was going, I'd been invited to go higher to share this equation with the people at the top. And you have to be a leader who understands that everything trickles down from the top. Like, We kind of operate that way in our leadership and ministry, like it trickles down. And so if I'm pessimistic in my leadership, it's going to trickle down and anybody who works with or for me is going to pick up on it. It's going to drip onto them. And then 
they'll catch it. It's going to drip off of them, right? That's not fun. So when I see things like at a higher level of leadership and authority, I, I take that very seriously because I understand the accountability that you're held to at when you get to higher levels of authority and responsibility, you are held accountable for that by the Lord. You know, whatever you're teaching, whatever you're leading, whatever you're speaking about, you're held accountable to uh, God's alignment, alignment with truth, right? So now I want to, I want you to remember that expectancy is different than expectation. Expectation has a def- like a definition to it. Like I expect for dinner to be hamburger and french fries tonight, right? That's my expectation. That is what I expect to see on the table. <laughs> but expectancy has more like a hope attached to it, such as I ex- I have expectancy that God's going to bless me with a delicious, healthy dinner, regardless of what I, where I go and what I serve, I'm going to have a good experience and I'm going to be, you know, uh, nutritioned. <laughs> I can't think of a right word. I'll be nutritioned. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not editing that out. Uh, make sure you get your kids nutritioned. <laughs> okay. Never mind. So, of course, you can have expectancy of like devastation. You can have expectancy of scarcity. You can have expectancy of trouble if you want. I think most of us have expectancy towards things like this. But personally, I think expectancy of good things, like the word talks about God's heart towards you, it has a greater likelihood of bearing good fruit, right? Things that you want actually coming towards you. (laughs) So there's a lot of people who have a personality to walk out this type of equation more naturally. I would say my husband's one of those people. I'm not naturally given to that. I had to grow into this. I've watched my husband live this way with expectancy of God's goodness, expectancy of provision, expectancy of favor, expectancy that God's with him. Like I've had to watch him over years to help me kind of overcome the things that hindered that type of expectancy in my life. And then this dream definitely called me into a greater positioning and like, just called me higher and, and said, Hey, why don't you leave this life story that you've been living in and do something different? I'm calling you up. Right. And I think it's actually like why God gave me a dream about it. Because when I get dreams from the Lord, they're super solid they, the dreams I get from the Lord lead us as a family. They lead our ministry. They lead my business because they're always spot on when they're from the Lord. It's not anything I could make up, right? God speaks very, very clearly to me as a dreamer. And not everybody gets that. You know, you can hear it from the Lord in different ways. You can ask him to make you a dreamer, to, to speak to you in that way. But um, I want to encourage you that expectancy begins in your paradigm. And I had to go do the work of shifting my paradigm, meaning shift what I believe, think on, imagine, and my perspective to leave expectations that were constantly leaving me disappointed and move into expectancy. So Colossians 1.9 says, our constant desire for you is that you might be overwhelmed with the knowledge of God's dream for your lives. We pray that this pattern of his wisdom and his thoughts 
will fall into place for you in all spiritual understanding. The Passion Translation puts it this way. We've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I pray that over you right now. You are receiving right now if you will receive it because it's always being poured out. The knowledge of God's pleasure over your life is always being poured out. You have to receive it. I pray that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your life, that you'd become a reservoir of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. I pray that you are overwhelmed with the knowledge of God for God's heart for you. I pray that the pattern of his wisdom and thoughts falls into place for you in all spiritual understanding. Okay. In Jesus name. Now, We have to figure out what's hindering us from believing God's desire for us and his will for us is good. Then we have to actually do what it takes to make a committed decision to believing in it. We have to believe God's desire and will for us is good. So what's keeping your expectancy low and how can you move into expectancy of good things? How can you make committed decisions to believe that God is good and for you? And if he's for you, who can be against you, right? So this equation the Lord speaks to me and the dream is saying that when alignment comes between the knowledge of God and our expectancy of God, we're going to see all kinds of good fruit, resolution of problems and supernatural solutions, clarity about questions, strategy about sticky situations. We will find the favor of God on the other side of the equation, but we have to do our part of the equation that's on the left side of the equal sign. Psalm 135 and verse five says, I wait for the Lord. I expectantly wait. And in his word, do I hope? Okay. So I'm expectantly waiting for God and I hope in his word. So let me summarize this equation for you a little bit. Knowledge plus expectancy equals victory. That's how I see it. That's what I remind myself. That's on the sticky note. Okay. If expectancy is what you get when you combine your sanctified, renewed imagination and faith and belief and dreams, fresh perspective and hope, and you mix it with knowledge, which is what you get when you combine your pursuit of purpose and God's equipping and calling on your life and knowing his will and his heart for you. And then when that knowledge and the expectancy are added together, we get the fruit that you're actually longing for. Your spirit is longing for the resolve of every situation, every situation. This is literally the knowledge, being in the word, being in prayer, being in relationship with Jesus, an actual heart relationship with him and managing your own paradigm, your own emotions, like your soul, manage your soul to move into expectancy, put these things together, knowing God, who he is and what his will is, and knowing yourself and letting your spirit begin to learn, learn how to let your spirit lead your soul and your body. And you put them together, you get good fruit. Come on, you want good fruit. I know you do. So we're going to experience on the other side of the equal sign, the supernatural provision of God. We're going to enter into his great favor, but it it starts in your paradigm. And 
if you don't believe this kind of equation is for you, you're going to be stuck. If you don't believe God is for you, you're going to be stuck. If you don't believe you're worth it or you're enough yet, you're going to be stuck. If you don't believe God cares this much about you and he really does want to meet your needs, no matter how small, how minute, how little and insignificant they are to you, this is going to keep you stuck. So let's talk about believing. We all believe things that like all day long, we're believing all day long. We're just not paying attention to it. So we don't know we believe this thing, but we're all stuck in lies. We're all stuck in apathy, pride and fear, whatever, one way or the other. But I'm going to tell you what I think that the, uh, the equation behind belief is. In summary, I believe your decision plus your commitment equals your belief. So I'm saying that if you'll make a decision and then you add commitment to it, it will create a belief in your life in anything. So for example, if I've decided I don't have enough of anything, I've decided that. Now, it doesn't make it true that I don't have enough of whatever it is you want to call. Let's just say time. It doesn't mean I don't have enough time. I've decided I don't have enough time. And my decision is actually going to bear that kind of fruit, right? And if I commit to this decision by cycling it through my thoughts and meditating on I don't have enough time, instead of aligning it with the word of God or asking him, taking it to prayer, taking, like asking for help, getting a coach, asking my friends and family, like, what do you think I could do to have more time, or even just doing something like getting a time management process in place. Do what is in front of you to do, like take your own responsibility. And instead of saying, I don't have enough time because of everybody else and all the situations and events and circumstances of my life, go, wow, I wonder what I'm saying yes to that's preventing me from saying yes to other things that are more important. What if I'm not paying attention to the most important or non-negotiable things in my life because I'm scrolling and I'm binging anything, I'm spending my time doing other things because I want to check out and I'm buffering, therefore I'm not doing the things that would actually make me satisfied. When you take responsibility for it on your side, right, of the things, then you understand you've made decisions over here, you've committed to things over here. And instead of pursuing a more like excellent way, more fruit bearing way, you're just cycling because you've committed to not having enough time. This is how you live. It's what you think. It's what you believe. It's how you, it's how you have a perspective of your life, right? It's the lenses that you're looking through. Well, that decision and that commitment, it all feeds the belief that you don't have enough time. So then you live from this belief. It motivates other decisions that you make. On the flip side, if I decide I'm a daughter of God and therefore all my needs are taken care of, I commit to this by intentionally thinking that I am taken care of. And I thank God for taking care of me. I thank him for his provision. I remind myself of his promises and I go get in the word where it tells me that he's my all in all. He's my Jehovah Jireh. Like this undergirds and supports and equals my belief that I have enough. I'm taking care of. I have enough. And you've got to have definite knowledge 
of the purpose, the calling, the desire, God's will for you, his, his heart for you. And the Bible says he'll equip you for everything you're called to, which means that's literally him saying, I desire to meet your every need. What you need, you'll receive. What you want, you might get some, right? So add to this knowledge your expectancy, which requires you to use your imagination and have a curiosity and operate in hope and faith. Let your dreams rise to the surface. And then if you believe God is for you and God is good and he works all things together for the good of those who love him, this powerful equation can shift so many things for you. Like literally, again, it says resolve of the situation. (laughs) That's what this stuff equals. So personally, I really... I really wonder, like, what's God going to do with this equation? I've been trying to implement it in my own life over the past couple of years since I had the dream. I've been trying to share it in my coaching business and in ministry with my friends and family, but I feel like I definitely still haven't reached like the summit of what God has been saying to me. He keeps adding layers to it, expounding on it, expanding my mind around it. And then I will say, like, after trying to teach math, inside of homeschooling, and notice I said trying to teach math, I've learned that math is taught precept upon precept, right? So concept, you practice concept, and then you build on top of that. You have to know how to do one action before you can know how to take the next action. And you have to know how to break it all down. And I believe that this equation was a foundational piece of of the math that he's teaching me (laughs) to what God's been showing me since then, where he's building precept upon precept and what he's going to reveal to me in the future about it. But today I really felt like I needed to share it with you because you need some hope and some help in this area. And I believe that you're listening right now because God is actually, he's drawing you near. He is calling out to you. He wants your attention on him. He's wanting to meet you, bless you, care for you, tend to you, because your dad loves to meet all of your needs. He loves when you believe him and when you lean in. He adores those moments when you submit your fears and your worries to to him, and he wants to carry things for you because he's a gentleman. He washes you clean. He captures your tears. He loves you when you decide and commit to believing these things. And he loves you when you decide and commit to believing against those things. (laughs) His love is unconditional. No matter what you decide and commit to believe, his love is there. But when you decide and commit to believe him and what the word says about who he is and what he says about you, the fruit is very, very different. There is a resolve of the situation. And he loves when you trust him to work things out and to make all things possible, to let his perfect timing come to pass. And he loves your expectancy and your desire to know more about him and press into truth. So today I want to invite you to actually choose peace and intentionally pursue decisions and commitments that are made from setting your eyes on the things above. And giving him thanks and praise for all that he's doing in your life. Go renew your mind. Ephesians 2.6 says he raised us up from the dead alongside Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So 
act like you, you know, have been seated in heavenly places, you, you can start living like that. And remember that just because you don't act like you're seated in heavenly places doesn't mean you're not. Just because you don't have a habit of operating with the mind of Christ doesn't mean you haven't been given the mind of Christ. You simply need to do your own work of moving into becoming the person that you are called to be in Christ. That's it. And if things have been holding you back from doing that, no worries. Simply turn to him and say like, hey, Jesus, sorry, I was, I was going the wrong way. Pride was holding me back. Fear was making me take a left turn. Unbelief was like holding me up in the tangly branches, whatever it is. And then just ask him for forgiveness. Then forgive yourself. And then say, hey, Jesus, would you come fill the void that that pride or fear or unbelief or whatever it was left Fill it up with truth and love and mercy. Ta-da! All done. Great. So now he's separated the sin of pride or fear or unbelief, whatever it was, as far as the East is from the West. And now you can move on and start acting like a child of God who's no longer a slave to fear. And I will link to the song in the show notes, of course, in case you've never heard that. Or maybe you need a reminder, a little refresher course that you are no longer a slave to fear. And start living like you've been seated in heavenly places. No, you don't know how you're going to get through this season. No, you don't know how all these things are going to turn out. No, you don't know when the hard thing is going to end or if it'll end. But if you're seated in heavenly places, you can have a a macro view. You are getting really, really micro. You're getting really zoomed in to the crisis and the urgent and the pain and the hard things and the struggles and the tiredness. But I want you to zoom out because the Bible says you're seated in heavenly places. So you have the opportunity to stop looking so closely at all the details that make you want to give up and zoom out and go hang out with Jesus in the heavenly places, right? Go do that. Go say, I'll put on the helmet of truth. And like, I'm sorry, that's a belt of truth. Go put on the helmet of salvation. Save your head. <laughs> Go save your brain. <laughs> Sometimes I get all the clothing mixed up in the armor of God. Anyway, Holy Spirit reminded me, right? So you didn't all have to like send me a note and tell me like I was wrong about how I quoted scripture. Because <laughs> you know I'm not going to edit out when, I, when I'm wrong. That's just not how I do. But all right. Bless you, friends. And I want you to remember all things are possible. Together we can figure out how. And God is for you. And he is calling you to believe him, to decide he is good, to commit to living like God is good, and to believe he's good to you. I hope that you love this episode and you feel challenged, inspired, and encouraged. If you're a coach or you want to be one, jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group so we can connect over there. And to work with me, Grab the links in the show notes to get quick clarity about your calling as a coach and entrepreneur, as well as how to get trained as a coach with Sterling and Stone and start your own business. Bless you, friend.